lamb who was slain. And that moved us right into the, to Easter, to Palm Sunday, where we looked at the triumphal entry and then also the weeping Jesus. And then last week, as we talked about resurrection power, how it defeated death in the shadow of death, how it brings certain hope, how we can be people who know that hearts of stone are turned into hearts of flesh and we can walk with him and take off the grave clothes and just wonderful to be thinking upon these things together. And, and so as Josh and I were thinking about this, uh, we began thinking what would be a good place to do? Where would we go? And we just had this sense that it would be good for us to focus together on prayer because that's, that's where this call is coming. This is where the power comes from. It's all as we come to prayer and uh, we see this again and again, this call to prayer. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a seven-week series. And kids, if you're filling out your outline, these are where you'll get some of your answers on the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. And um, by God's grace, as we look at this, we're going to take a slow walk through the Lord's Prayer. Um, so, and I want to just put up there right now a quote that you have there by Andrew Murray uh, as he talks about the Lord's Prayer. He wrote the book with Christ in the School of Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a form of prayer that becomes the model and inspiration for all other prayer and yet always draws us back to itself as the deepest utterance of our souls before God. And so what he's really saying is this prayer is, is really a pattern and a form of prayer it doesn't necessarily need to be recited as that prayer all the time, although it is good to recite the prayer. But the prayer itself opens up the doors for deeper prayer in the themes that this prayer has. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at these things because we have an invitation in this prayer to participate with God on the ongoing plan to redeem, restore all things. And so... As we take a close look, we're going to start this week with the invocation, Our Father in Heaven, and then there's six petitions. We're going to look at each of these petitions through the following weeks. And, and as a result, we will learn how to pray out of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Now, as my wife said a little earlier, how many of you grew up knowing this as the Our Father and not the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, there you go. There's all those guys coming up from that Catholic background. What are you doing at this church? And then we have those who have done the Lord's Prayer and learned it as the Lord's Prayer. Well, we need to know there are actually two accounts of the Lord's Prayer in the, in the Scripture, one in Matthew and also one in Luke. So I'm going to read both accounts. You have them in your outline, and I'm sure they'll come up on the board. I'm going to start with the Matthew account, uh, chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptations. So we have the two accounts. So if you're filling your uh, outline out, um, Kids Church, this is another answer. Matthew's account takes place during the Sermon on the Mount. It drops in where Jesus has been talking about life with the Father and talking about prayer. And he speaks about hypocrisy and, and that idea that, and as, as was read in the children's story, uh, rather than a prayer that would bring glory to God, it was intended to bring glory to myself. The Pharisees in particular were good at that, right? And that's sort of what he was talking about. This is not real prayer. And then also he was talking about meaningless repetition, just a, a whole list of words you just keep repeating, like incantations or something like that. And this was not a personal approach to God, but it was a mere babbling of words. Um, but he says, interestingly enough in Matthew, when you pray. Luke's account's a little bit different, right? The disciples are, have been watching Jesus pray. And uh, they, they've seen Jesus pray a lot, and they have an idea that there's something about prayer. And so they're asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And then again, he uses the words, when you pray. When you pray. Not if you pray, or when you get a chance to pray, but when you pray. And it's actually an imperative. It's actually a command. It's actually, we are to pray. We are to be people of prayer. And literally what Jesus is saying is that prayer is a way of life. It's a way of life. And who else but Jesus? Jesus was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. He was praying when the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. He went into the wilderness before he started his ministry and fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, he withdrew to pray before he picked his disciples. Uh, every, everywhere you went, when, when they went up to the mountain for the transfiguration, they went there and they began by praying. We see Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he dies. And Jesus sought God out in prayer for strength and guidance. And he always used the term, my father, in prayer. And then when Jesus ascended, the apostles and disciples went back to Jerusalem. And what did they do? They prayed for 10 days. They prayed for 10 days. They were together in prayer. And as they prayed, God was at work in them, preparing them for the Holy Spirit to descend upon them and to empower them to be witnesses. It tells us in Scripture, when Paul is speaking Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he uses these words, and if you're filling out your kid's uh, sermon outline, this is one of those answers. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourself 
to prayer. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is very powerful. We are to be always in prayer. And I think, and then, listen, I'm not doing this to come down on anybody, but sometimes I, the way prayer is taught is I have to have this quiet little space where nobody else is around and it has to be me alone and I have to be in prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but it isn't exactly what's being talked about when we talk about prayer. Prayer is conversation with God. You can pray in the car with all the kids screaming around you. You can pray while you're doing wash. You can pray when you're out there on a bench playing sports. You can pray at any time because it's conversation with God. There isn't a particular place, but there are particular times when it's good to get away on your own and pray with God. But it's conversation with God. That's sort of the idea of what's going on here. And isn't it amazing that we can have conversation with God anytime, anywhere? I love what Martin Lloyd-Jones says. You have it there in your quote. Prayer is the highest activity of the human soul. When a person is on their knees before God... They are at the very apex, for it is here that they come face to face with Almighty God. It's the highest activity of the human soul. When we go into prayer, we come face to face with the Almighty God. And I love then, when we go next, this idea that Spurgeon speaks about in this quote. And if they're doing the uh, sermon outline, the kids' church, this is something for you to answer. I know no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of intensity of your prayer. What is your prayer life like? This will give you the temperature of how you are doing spiritually. Do you bring everything to the Lord in prayer? Do you understand that when we pray, we can pray about all things? Prayer supplies the suffering and the grieving with comfort and endurance. In prayer and confession, we can have our sins washed away. It repels temptation, as we see here. For people who are being persecuted, it brings faith and strength. It brings comfort for those who are grieving. And I can go on with the list, right? Prayer is an amazing privilege and resource. And our life, as those who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, is to be a life of prayer. Now, if I were to ask you right now, how many of you struggle with prayer? I would think that everybody would raise their hand. So I don't need you condemning yourselves. But I think we all struggle. And there's many reasons why, and over the course of this time, we'll probably speak about some of them. But know that prayer is a struggle. And I think the main reason for that is, is that because Satan knows that when we pray, God works. 
When we pray, it unleashes the Holy Spirit. When we pray, we're delivered from evil. When we pray, God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. Amen? So we are going to struggle. It is a war to pray. But Jesus begins speaking about prayer, and he says, here's how you should pray. And that's where we're going now. We're going to be looking at how we should pray and be encouraged about our prayer lives as we go now for the next seven weeks. And we begin with what is known as the invocation, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Not the great I am who I pray to or the Lord most high who I pray to, but our Father, our Father. It's relational, it's personal, it's parental, it's intimate. This is the God of the universe, our Father. And in that day, that must have been so shocking to the disciples. Yes, they heard Jesus pray to the Father. But now Jesus was speaking to them and say, you pray, our Father. You pray, our Father. Now, you got to remember, they, they grew up with this idea of God being distant, you know, God on the mountain with fire. Now, in the Old Testament, it does mention that Israel is his son and everything, but it's not in a personal way as far as them ever praying, my father. It was more this idea that this is what God called them. And most of the time, it was words against the fact that they weren't acting like his children. But here, it's a very intimate praying to the God of the universe, our father, with the same intimacy that Jesus prayed to the Father. He's offering intimate participation in the life of the Trinity. Think about that for a second. Think about how to illustrate this, sort of thinking about you know, where, where we are with this. And I think sometimes we do have a, you know, how do we approach God? And, and there's all kinds of reasons why and all kinds of hindrances but just that idea of approaching God as a father. And I was thinking about um, when I was taking, my kids were small, one of the things I used to do with them, we used to have a game. It used to call, we used to call it bear. I was the bear and they would attack me and then I'd be throwing them all over the room and there'd be a lot of laughter and a lot of fun. Every once in a while somebody get hurt, but other than that, we were okay. Um, but, but, you know, when their friends came over the house and I started playing bear with them, their friends had no problem jumping right on me, right? They were like, well, if you're doing it to your dad, I'm going to do it to your dad. And they were sort of brought right in by that relationship that I had with my children. And it's sort of the same thing that Jesus is talking about. I'm bringing you in in my relationship with the Father, so you can feel comfortable coming in and being a part of that relationship because I'm bringing you with dad. And so you come with me to dad now, just like I do. And in relationship with God, you can pray to him. You can ask him things. You can enjoy him in the same way those kids enjoyed Bear playing with me. And I think we have to get a sense 
that this is where Jesus has brought us. This is how he prepared a place for us. This is what he did on the cross. He opened up the door. Hebrews tells us that the blood has been sprinkled. The door has been opened. We can go boldly and expectantly. All these wonderful scriptures. Listen to what he says in John 20, 17. Jesus announces to Mary in triumph after his death and resurrection, but I go to my brothers and sisters and I say to them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Do you see how he brings us in with him? My father and your father, my God and your God. We've been brought in to this wonderful relationship into the participation with the Trinity, as Peter says, we're partakers of the divine nature. And one of the things that we need to recognize here is that this cuts to pieces this universal idea of the fatherhood of God. There's this idea out there, well, God's the father of everybody. And that's been pretty popular out there. But that's wrong. God is the creator of everybody, but he is not the father of everybody. He's the father of Jesus Christ, and he is the father of all those who believe in Jesus Christ and are born again into his family. I want to drive this home a little bit because I think we really do need to recognize because Jesus sort of came against um, the Pharisees when they were speaking to him and said, you know, they were, they, were, they were the children of Abraham. And so this sort of meant that God was their father and they had this sort of idea. But listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 42 through 44. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Ephesians 2 tells us that we walked in darkness under the wrath of God, that we were separated from God. When you come to the Lord, it says he took you from darkness to light. He took you from being a part of that family of darkness and now has brought you into the family of God where now you can say, Father. Now you can say, Daddy, in the same way Jesus said, Daddy, in the same way the word Abba is used. Listen to Romans 4, 8, 14, and 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, that Hebrew word that Jesus used meant Daddy. It was so personal. Abba, Father, you are our Father. 
praying to a father who loves us. And we're going to be talking about that in a second. But this quote of J.I. Packer, I think we really need to listen to what he's saying here. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as their father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls their worship and prayer and their whole outlook on life, it means that they do not understand Christianity very well at all. And I think this is really powerful. You know that our church network is famous for the Sonship Course, and my father-in-law, Dr. Miller, was the one who sort of brought this into being, um, this idea of the fatherhood, of us being adopted sons and daughters of the living God, that we live out of that. And J.I. Packer saying the same thing. Why, if we're not living out of that, we're missing so much of the richness of what Jesus has got for us through his sacrifice and resurrection. We're missing the intimacy. We're missing the personal uh, relationship that we have. Uh, we were just in premarital counseling and we were talking to a couple and they were really talking to us. They, had, they said, we really have some spiritual questions. That's why we love doing premarital counseling, especially with those who aren't believers. And, and yet, as we began talking with them, to be able to say, you know, yeah, I grew up that way. I grew up with the church and the idea of a, of a God, but it was never a personal God for me. It was the God who had all these commandments. It was the God who was a killjoy. It was a God who didn't want me to do stuff. But then I began reading. And when the Spirit began to do that work in my life, I began to see, no, this is about a personal relationship with the God of the universe. So much more. I could talk to the God of the universe. I can lay my heart out to the God of the universe. I can speak to him as my father. How amazing is that? Why would I not want to talk to him all day long? He's the God of the universe. Radically changes. What's going on in your heart, the way you see yourself and the way you see God. What kind of identity you live out of. And that moves us to the next two words because I think they come together as a piece. Our Father in heaven, in heaven. The words in heaven carry more meaning than where God lives, right? Certainly, as we saw in Revelation, heaven is a spiritual dimension where God's throne is, and literally that dimension is all around us. But these words, as he's speaking them in heaven, point to his authority and power, if the children are filling out their outlines, to his authority and power at his command as the creator and ruler of all things. So this combines his fatherly love with his heavenly power and what his love directs his power and is able to perform. See, it's nice to know somebody loves you and tells you they're going to take care of you, but if they don't have the ability to do it, there's not much going on there, right? But when the God of the universe, who has all power and authority, says, you're my child and I love you, he has the ability. So if you read this quote by Sean Farrell, I think he speaks it clear. He's not like our earthly fathers who have limitations 
shortcomings and failings. Rather, he is a heavenly father who gives to us from all the resources and storehouses of heaven. Are you struggling right now? Financial pressures, loss of a job, a loved one sick, struggling relationship with a child or struggling relationship with a spouse or a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, maybe a serious health issue, hard decisions you need to make. Are you weighed down by depression and anxiety, doubts and fears? Are you feeling burdened and distant from God because of a prevailing sin in your life? He loves you. He cares for you. He promises to never leave or forsake you. And he stands ready with all the resources in heaven. And the question is, are we turning to him in prayer, our Father? Or is the first thing I do, go to the website. And I search. And I find this specialist and... This specialist, and everybody's a specialist. Or maybe I have particular things I turn to, old habits that I turn to, to distract me for a moment away from these things, but never able to really come in and answer to the depths of the needs that we have in our hearts. But no, our Father in heaven, our Father who directs his love towards us, our Father who brings answers to the very difficult things in our lives, the one who we can carry our burdens to, the one who lifts us from the sin in our lives and brings forgiveness and reconciliation, the one who's able to turn and bring health to somebody I could never do, the one who's able to turn a heart that I could never turn, the one who's able to bring forgiveness in my heart to others and their forgiveness to me in relationships. This is prayer. This is the power of prayer. This is the God we go to. And I think about the story of the prodigal son. You know, I know we have a number of our young people here. Any of you know the story of the prodigal son? Any of our young people know the story of the prodigal son? Yeah, the son decided that He no longer wanted to be with the father. He wanted to go out into the world, wanted to have a good time. He wanted to take the money that was supposed to his his inheritance, and he took it, and he went out. And does anybody know what he did? What did he do? Yeah, he squandered all the money, right? Good job. He squandered all the money. Oh, he had his posse for a pretty long time, didn't he? They loved him when he had all the money. Everybody was with him. He was a hero. He was great. Then the money started going, and more and more friends left him. And finally, he had nothing. He he literally could not even have food to eat. And so he wound up doing what? Working, cleaning out of what? Anybody know? A pigsty. And then he began thinking about his father and his father's servants who had it better than him, right? Right? And he said, well, I'm just going to go humble myself and go back to my father. But what happened when the father saw him way down the road? Anybody? What happened? What happened? 
Yeah, he ran to his son, right? He ran to his son and he grabbed him and he loved him and he got the robe and the fatted calf and he had a party. And that's the type of God we have. That's the type of father that we have. We can't out God's love. Can you get it? We can't out God's love. Why would we not go to him, cry out to him as father, lay our hearts before him, have conversation with him? So as you're thinking this week, and I'm going to encourage you, read through the Lord's Prayer. Begin to see how the Holy Spirit begins to move it. But even now as you begin, our Father in heaven, come differently now. Thank him. Thank him that he's your father. Thank you for what he's doing. Call upon his power to do the things that none of us can do. Cry out to him. In the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, there's a line that says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's start this week. I want to encourage you, take the Lord's Prayer, read through it, have the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you through the prayer. If you're joining me on Thursday morning, we will be praying through the Lord's Prayer. Um, We are going to do this together. We're going to grow in this together. But right now this week, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, meditate on that. Let it be something that permeates your heart. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God to the finished work of Jesus Christ. So let's come to him in prayer. And so what a time now, brothers and sisters, to approach this table this morning. We're coming here as children. This is a meal of faith. We're coming here, and when we look at this table, which which Jesus said, this is that which you do in remembrance of me, we begin to remember, yes, it was Jesus who came. He was the Son. He loved the Father. The Father loved him. He brought us into this relationship through his work of redemption on the cross, his blood shed, The resurrection and the amen and kiss of the Father brought us in now. We have come with Jesus into that place and relationship. So as we come to this table, we recognize that God has loved us so much that we now come and we can have this meal of faith together as children, as adopted sons and daughters of the living God. That this is a meal of faith this morning. If you're here This is to strengthen your faith, to refresh your soul.